Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. She said, is it true that everyone has a colon? Even females? Or is mother just messing with me? The fact she calls her mother in this is alarming. (laughs) The fact that she feels comfortable reaching out to you with this (laughs) is a little upsetting to me. So I've then uh, messaged my girlfriend and been like, so what am I supposed to say here? Like, is there some sort of prank that I'm supposed to like go along with? Or, you know, what's sort of the, what's, what's, what's the thing here? And she has not responded yet. All right. Um, so there could be live updates throughout the podcast. That's what you're telling me. It's possible. But we might, we might all be in on this later. In order to uh, buy myself some time, I responded, well, Maybe you have a semicolon. I see. Which which is which is a, a writer joke. Yes, it's very clever. And I figured she'd be like, "Okay, that's dumb." But no, she responded with, "What's a semicolon? Is that like a front butt?" Oh God! To which then I just responded with a semicolon, and there's been no update since. That's. There's so much alarming about this. Because <laughs> now I'm concerned for her education as well, that she doesn't know what a semicolon is. Right? <sighs> I'm also, like, really upset about the fact that she texted you. This is the kind of thing you just you get on whatever device is available, you go into incognito mode, and you Google stuff like that. <laughs> you can, you can look up a couple of sources, find the generally accepted proper answer and then shut it down and no one needs to know. You just go on with life. Well, I, uh, been pulled into the circle of trust, Doug. Well, I'm Um, I'm sorry to hear that. About a month ago, I was walking and I was taking Margo for a walk and I got a video call from her daughter, which I was like, Oh shit. It was one of those. I'm like, do I take it? Do I accept it? Like, what do I, what do I do? And then I thought, well, maybe there's something wrong. Cause her, her oldest daughter now lives in Arizona. Okay. So that's like, I don't know, like a thousand miles away. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe she, like, maybe there's something wrong. She can't get a hold of her mom or something. She's trying to get a hold of me to be like, Hey, I can't get a hold of my mom. Is there something going yeah, on? Yeah. You know, that kind of logical stuff goes through my head. So I answer it. And I see that she's on a call with her mom and her younger sister's in the car with her mom. And her mom is like, why did you invite Brian to this? Like, she didn't really care, but she's just like, this is random and just happened out of nowhere. To which then I'm like, yeah, what am I doing here? And she's like, did you know you could get hepatitis C from a dirty needle? To which I was like, yes. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought everyone knew that. <laughs> that it's not is something I use in my day to day life because I'm not around that many dirty needles. But that is something I knew. But this is this is a weird way to like jump into a video call. <laughs> then they explained that uh, apparently somebody at her work, which she works at Starbucks, um, has hepatitis C, and apparently that the manager of that location doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. And I'm like, well, that's that's not good. I don't think I'd want someone with Hep C making my food or I, I drinks like or anything. Got to be a rule against that, I would think. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, I'm not up to date on it. But then she just started rattling off a bunch of like something about gonorrhea or something. And I'm like, I don't. What the, what the fuck am I? What the fuck did I get pulled into? It was the strangest thing in the world. This is this is very weird. Yeah, so that's what I was pulled into. I, I did think I did think your joke was funny at the beginning of the story, though. The semicolon? When, when, no, the part where you said you were getting a call from a woman, and you're like, so all the rational things went through my head, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then you just proceeded to go on a long story about why I should stay single. <laughs> yeah, especially with her 18-year-old daughter asking yeah. a bunch of random questions. I did. My ex decided to teach me a lesson about why I'm single this week too, though, because oh yeah, I had to meet her somewhere, and then she proceeded like my kid was singing the national anthem at a hockey game. Oh, nice! <laughs> like, oh, Doug, that had to be like the, the most proud moment of your life so far. Well, it's it's really tough to get to do it because what you have to do is you have to wait for it to be your school's turn, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have to sign up. So other than that, I mean, it's really oh. tough, really tough criteria to get in, right? Yeah, but it's a hockey game. Yeah, it's your kid singing. So he was, uh, so he was supposed to be with her, but he's like, I want dad to take me because I'm the hockey parent, right? Of course. So then she's like, Well, I want to go too, and I'm like, Well, it's it's your night. If you want to be the one that takes him, you can. So eventually, I get a text that says like he still wants me to take him, but he's agreed to let his mom go as well. And I'm like, Oh, I don't. I don't love that scenario. So now <laughs> hockey games are like three hours long and now I'm sitting with my ex. So then I'm like, well, I'll just get him and I tickets and you get yourself tickets. We'll meet you there. And she's like, no, you have to get us all tickets. So we're all sitting together. And I'm like, well, that's exactly what I was trying to fucking avoid. Right. <laughs> so now it's the Cause, night of the- Cause I'm assuming it's not just her. No, it'd be her, her husband and her father. Okay. So she I, is remarried. I have, I have her, no problem with her father she is- being there. She's married. I guess I should say not remarried. Yes. yes. Legally gotcha. speaking. But uh, so I'm like, okay, whatever. So I've got all the tickets. I'm meeting them all there. At, we're supposed to meet them there at 630. It's about, a, I don't know, 12 to 15 minute drive. So it's 10 after six. I'm getting ready to leave the house. And I get a message being like, we're just parking. We'll be at the gate in a minute. And I'm like, okay. I enjoy standing outside the gate because you're really early. I don't know that it's my fault. I get in the car, start driving, and I get three phone calls in the 15-minute drive to get down there. I show up to, why are you late? To which I hold up my phone to show them the time and be like, no, I'm right when I'm supposed to be here. This is exactly the correct time. You showed up early so you'd have something to be mad about. I'm like, this is, <laughs> uh, this is why I sit alone in my basement and only talk to people I can hang up on. Uh, I mean, that sounds like a real life tragedy, Doug. It's really annoying. Oh shit! Like, I screwed up your can't your uh, thing. <laughs> it's almost like someone should make a movie 
based on true events. Inspired by true events. There is a difference. Sure. <laughs> Especially when Stuart Gordon gets involved. <laughs> uh, yeah, so in order to piss Noah off, you picked two things based on true events. And then Noah had a work holiday party that apparently he thought was going to be fine and now started later than he had planned. Mm-hmm. So he gets to miss out on talking about these true event movies. But I believe he's watched them, which is super fun. So it's almost better for you because then he watched them for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. He suffered. Hopefully he suffered at least. <laughs> Although I imagine he liked one of the movies. Ooh, I'm curious which one. Well, we'll see. Um, you, uh, since you seem like a bigger fan of Stuck, do you want to tell us what Stuck is about? <laughs> um, so Stuck is uh, inspired by true events. It's a story of a nursing assistant who is uh, drunk driving one night, and she hits a gentleman, and he flies through her windshield and becomes lodged in the windshield. And her solution to this is to drive home and park her car in the garage so no one will see. And then uh, go inside and proceeds to, uh, like she has sex with her boyfriend. She asks him for help and he's like, yeah, I can help. But he hasn't, he thinks he's helping clean up a car, not, <laughs> not deal with a person. <laughs> um, so she gets up the next morning and goes to work. She goes in a couple times and checks on the guy who's still stuck in the car, but does nothing to help him. Mm-hmm. So she goes to work, realizes she left her phone in the car, so she sneaks out of work to go home. At this point, the guy is like trying to dial 911 with the phone because he's gone through hell trying to get to it. I'm sure we'll get into more of the specifics of what he goes through. Um, and it eventually leads to a confrontation where he is able to get free and kills the boyfriend and when she's trying to light him on fire he manages to light her on fire and, and frankly it's glorious <laughs> Just, <laughs> inspired by a, a true event which from what i can tell is this is very accurate like up until the point where he starts fighting back in the mm-hmm. true event so the the boyfriend and the main character and her friend hatch a plan to dump the body in the park and in the in the true event, they actually did that and actually got away with it, but were so stupid that they later bragged about it at a party, and somebody told the cops that about it, and the cops were able to piece it together and arrest them. So they all ended up in jail. But in the in this this is probably the more fun ending is where he gets to light her on fire. I think that's the yeah. more satisfying ending from a filmmaking perspective. So I'm glad Stuart Gordon made that little adjustment to the story. <laughs> Which we uh, we get a cameo by Stuart Gordon as well. We did? Yeah. Which one is he? Um, so there's a scene where the girl goes to her boyfriend's apartment to like yeah. yell at him because, you know, I'm freaking out. We haven't figured this thing out yet. Yeah. Turns out he's having sex with somebody else. Yeah, I remember that. To which that's a very memorable scene because the woman gets chucked out of the hallway completely naked. So is that Stuart Gordon, the old guy that walks in the hallway? So then the old guy that walks into the hallway is Stuart Gordon. I didn't she realize yells, that. She yells at him. For some yeah. reason, when the old guy like walks by and the girl's sitting on the floor naked beside him, I, I, I didn't look that closely can't, at the guy. Yeah, I, don't know what it was. I can't imagine. Can't imagine why you missed. <laughs> why, why I was Stuart distracted Gordon. and didn't notice him. <laughs> 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 <sighs> Uh, 
So have, had you seen this one before? I had not. I've not seen either one of these. Okay. I had heard of the true story though. Yeah. So I knew it was oh. based off. I had heard of the movie that they made a movie from it. Um, I think I knew it was Stuart Gordon. Yeah. But I probably forgot. So yeah. then when we were gearing up, I'm like, oh yeah, Stuart Gordon did this. So I, I had seen this because I loved the true story. When the true story came out, um, I used to listen to the Jim Rome show. It's like a sports talk show. And they used to constantly reference this story. And like callers would call in and claim to be the nurse or they claim to be the guy that was stuck in the windshield or whatever. Um, and so it became like a running joke with me and some of my friends that also listened to the, the show. And so I loved it when when the movie was coming out. I'm like, oh, I got to see that. And then it was Stuart Gordon. I'm like, oh, my God, that's perfect because he's going to make it. He's going to take this horrific event and make it super fun to watch without taking away any of the horror from it because he has that yeah. magical talent. Did he do it? In my opinion, he did. I'm waiting to hear what you say. <laughs> I, I, I think everyone too. can already tell I'm coming forward positive on this movie if they <laughs> if they haven't pieced it together yet. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I think this movie is like, you're perfect. I don't know. Uh, this is definitely a weird, maybe weird. Weird is not the right word. It's a, it's an interesting movie that if you explain it to someone, they're like, what the, what the, how the fuck do they make a movie out of that? Yeah. But they do make it work. Uh, Mina Savari, as most people know from American beauty and American pie and American virgin. And uh, sure. She was, she was in a bunch of movies with American in the title for a break. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she perfectly plays someone that you are so pissed off at the whole entire movie. Yep. Then when she gets set on fire at the end, you start cheering. Oh yeah. The way she's she... so fucking annoying. And the way she keeps claiming this wasn't my fault, even though she was yeah. the one who was like drunk driving, messing with her phone. Yeah. Uh, has a guy impaled in her windshield and doesn't do anything about it. And she hits him in the head with a board at one point because he's trying right. to reach the horn. <laughs> but yeah, the way uh, the way that she's able to play this, like at the beginning, like she seems likable enough and she's kind of a party girl and you're like, okay, she shouldn't be drunk driving, but we kind of need her to for the purposes of the story, right? Sure. She seems pretty likable. And the minute this happens, the way she shifts into victim mode and is just like blaming everybody else, like blaming him for trying to get help. Mm -hmm. Like if you get help, then they'll find out I did this. And it's like, yeah, yeah. but if he doesn't get help, he's going to die in your garage. So maybe let him get help. Like <laughs> yep. and saying it was his fault. Cause he wasn't watching where he was walking. Yeah. Just the, the constant, like the self victimization that she does. You're just like, Oh my God. Like I want her to face consequences. Every time she acts like it's not her fault, it reminds me how much it is her fault and makes me think I want to see her punished. And then you're right. Mm -hmm. That builds and builds and builds until the end of the movie when she finally gets her punishment. Oh yeah. Even up to the point where she's dumping gas all over him is she's like, I'm cleaning up this problem that you caused me and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah. Oh my God, just, Stab her. Stab her in the face like you did her boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, man. I wasn't going to go there yet, but man, when he finally stabs that boyfriend, he jams that pen into his eye, and you're like... Yeah. Again, Stuart Gordon's a, just a horror genius. And when he, he stabbed yeah. the pen in the eye, and the guy's like walking around, and the special effect looks really good with the pen sticking out of the eye and shit, and then the guy just reaches up and grabs it and pushes it the rest of the way in. Ugh. Yeah. I, I almost stood up and cheered. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> what a great moment. Oh. 
which we should point out, um, and you'll say, and you know, people will be like, well, duh, you just said he got impaled into a windshield. But this guy's having like the worst day ever <laughs> leading up to this incident. He uh, has has an interview, like a job placement service. Um, he has, a, he has a, not a res- he has an appointment, and uh, he's trying to get ready. And the guy, his landlord, comes down and is like, "You're so late on your rent. I can't do anything. Like I have to evict you. So you got to go." And he's like. All right. And he starts grabbing clothes. He's like, no, you can't take anything. You just got to get out. You got to leave all this stuff here, which makes no sense to me, but sure. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Like if you can take your personal belongings when you're evicted, and that, yeah. that part, that part was a little weird. Yeah. But, and the guy's like, come on, I got like a job interview at like one. Can I please just take my, like, you know, like my dress clothes the guy's sort of having and hawing. He's like, all right, but I'm going to sit here and watch you, which is weird. Mm-hmm. More on that in the next movie. Yeah. Well. And uh, so he starts changing, and then something else happens in the hallway, and the landlord, like, runs out. So this guy, like, quickly tries to grab all of his clothes and stuff, and then is, like, hauling ass out of the apartment. So then he finally gets to the job placement service, and he's got this bundle of clothes, and the people are just like, like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, yeah, I have an appointment. And she's like, yeah, have a seat. And he's like, but I have an appointment. And she's like, I know, have a seat. And then we find out that he waits like three hours and then goes to talk to the guy. And he's like, oh, you're not on the computer. You need to fill this application out. And he's like, no, I did that already. How else would I have an appointment? He's like, well, you can't have an appointment until you fill this out. And it's just that bureaucratic, like, oh yeah, paperwork, like bullshit, which I read the trivia and I found out if you pay close attention, um, she mispronounces his last name, which may explain why they can't find him in the system. Like there was I mean, an error yeah. or something. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've dealt with enough bureaucracies and stuff in my life to know that it's always some simple little error. It's always some simple little typo. And if the, yeah. whether it's directly the person's fault or whether it's the system's fault, it's an easily fixable thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Whether that person can actually like, you know, search different spellings of the last name or whatever. Yeah. But, Cause his last name's like Bardo. And I think she yeah. calls him Mr. Bredo. So she like moved the R. Yeah. Which I didn't catch when I watched it. I was reading the trivia. I'm like, Oh, okay. that makes sense. That's see, that's actually really interesting. I love little details like that. Yeah. I, did, I didn't catch it either. Um, so he leaves there dejected. He's carrying his clothes around homeless guy. He talks to a homeless guy. Homeless guy is like actually a super cool guy who I was afraid was going to be like, I don't know, take advantage of him somehow. And I don't know why, but he's super pre- cool. Cause you're prejudiced against homeless people. We Pretty all, much. We all kind of are like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's kind of, he gives them like some, uh, I don't know, some, some sippy sip, uh, alcohol to drink. And then, uh, cause the guy's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I guess I'm going to sleep on this park bench. So the homeless guy, you know, he's like, careful, cops come around here. They're kind of assholes. And then he gives them like a cart, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. And then, uh, yeah, the guy tries to take a nap. Please show up. Tell him he's got to move. Take your cart with you. And that's when she, he gets a hit hit and impaled in a windshield. Yeah. But the best part, of that, the best part of that whole setup is every time, every time they keep repeating the same phrase to him, they keep saying, it's your choice. Like when he's getting kicked out of the apartment and he's like, look, like I got laid off because the company was downsizing, not my fault. 
I'm doing my best to find a job. I literally have an appointment right now. And they're like, get out now and leave all your stuff or I call the cops, your choice. And it's like, it's not really his choice. He doesn't have a choice. And the same thing keeps happening when he gets to the place and he's like, I'm here. I'm on time for my appointment. I rushed. I barely made it, but I'm right here. And they're like, you can sit down or you can not deal with us your choice. And it's like, not really. He doesn't have any options in that moment. And that just, they keep saying that to him. Like the cops say it to him. The guy with the, who says he's not in the computer says it to him. Like they just keep saying it to him. And so you have that juxtaposition with her who is acting like all this stuff is happening to her, but everything actually is her choice, right? Mm -hmm. She's the one who's out drinking, knowing she's got to work the next morning. She's the one who's using her phone while she's driving because she gets the munchies because she's driving. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, she's the one making all these poor decisions. And he's the one being told that, you know, all this stuff is his own fault when it really isn't if you're watching the movie and paying attention to what's happening to him. So I love that because it just, again, it creates this dynamic where you're so sympathetic to him and you're already mad at her. (laughs) And then as the movie goes on, that just keeps building and you keep seeing him like trying his best to do the right thing. I don't know if we mentioned it's Steven Rhea, Rhea. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but his performance is really good. Um, he's, you know, he's really like, he's got this like shrub, shrubby looking to him where you're just kind of like, he's very much a Charlie Brown character. Yeah. And to, to have him, that's a great way to put it (laughs) to have him there being stuck in this situation. And he's just like doing his best to get out of it, but nothing is going right. And it continues once he's inside the windshield, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. he tries like, you know, beeping the horn was not a terrible plan. Right. Yep. And then it's like, uh, and then she just comes up and whacks him in the head with a stick for having the nerve to do it. And you're like, well, <laughs> how is he supposed to see that coming? You know? Sees her cell phone, calls 911. The fucking phone then, dies. Fucking oh. phone dies. And plus the, the time they do get to talk, it's spent going, okay, well, where are you? And he's like, I don't know. I'm in a windshield. I'm in a garage. And just like that frustration. It's like, oh, he had him on the phone. Yeah. You could just tell him where he was. Or if it was like modern day where they could just trace shit. Would have been so much easier. It was 2007. You would think if you're calling from a cell phone in 2007, yeah. like if that call gets cut off, you would think they'd have a way of finding out where it came from and sending somebody out to check it out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, modern technology. I don't really know if it's even possible from that. I've, I would just assume it's possible, but in other movies, it's been possible. So I don't know why yeah, exactly. it wouldn't be possible in this movie. Exactly, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing is it, the setup is great, and then we haven't even started talking about most of the gore yet because it's. Oh yeah, I was going to bring that up because oh. you think like, oh, he got stuck in a windshield. Why doesn't he just pull himself out? And it's like, oh, you see him get like hit. Like, he's got broken legs. He's got yeah. Fucking his one of his arms is sort of trapped by his side, and then he pulls it free, and it's fucking gruesome. And then he finally like pulls himself through. I couldn't tell if it was like a broken rib sticking out or if just like the windshield, because it looks like the windshield wiper. Yeah, the windshield blade. wiper blade at one point is stuck in him. Like the yeah, the the arm of the blade is stuck into his side, and he hit, like you can they can do close ups of it. You can see that bubbling yeah. blood. The blood looks so good too. Yeah. And then he's like he looks keeps great. having to like pull himself off of it, and he eventually does, and he, he screams in pain, and you're like it looks like it hurts, and you're it's like. 
I don't get squeamish that often watching horror films, but this was a, those were a couple of moments there where I was like, oh god, like what are you doing? And it's <laughs> oh, it's all fantastic. And they they keep doing that thing where they keep teasing that somebody's going to find him. It's the yeah. cab the cab driver, and then there's a kid that sees him, and the kid and he's like, oh thank god that kid's going to save me. And then the kid goes home and. If I understood the scene correctly, they're illegal aliens, so they won't call the cops because they yeah. <laughs> don't want to get themselves deported. Um, so looking at the budget, I guess this was like a $5 million budget. Yeah. Which seems about right. It's, yeah, they like, they filmed it in like St. John, New Brunswick, which is not like a, a hotbed for filmmaking. So I think that they could get cheap locations and stuff and they just put all the money into the special effects and yeah getting a couple of actors that were quite good because both the, like both the main actors are relatively well-known and mm-hmm. like, I know Mina Savari is listed as a producer. So I'm assuming she's in on the profits more than getting a salary, but yeah. Um, you know, yeah. And she's pretty good. Like we said, you just completely hate her by the end yeah. as much as she's whining about how it wasn't her fault. Well, yeah. Cause yeah, they, they do such a good job. Like the, the writing is really good too. Like for a movie with a very simple plot, they do such a good job of setting her up. Like at the beginning, like her life is on track. She's like, all she has to do is work this Saturday and then she's going to get promoted. Basically she's told. Yeah. And she chooses to still go out Friday night. You know, she chooses to still like engage in all these activities that cause all these problems and act like it's not her fault. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Unfortunately, we get to see her uh, shower an old guy who shit all over himself. I'm not sure why we had to see so much of that old man's poop. Um, <laughs> so bad. I, I feel like I feel like that was just Stuart Gordon wanting to like like not all of the audience will get completely grossed out by these blood and gore scenes. Some people will enjoy those. So let's put yeah. in something that's just going to get to the rest of them. And it's just here's an old man <laughs> who pooped his pants, and you get that like one flash shot of it where she like takes the blanket off him in his bed, and he's pooped yeah. his pants, and she's like, "Oh no, we're going to have to get you cleaned up, sir." And then you're like, okay. And then it cuts to him in the shower and she's like, his ass is covered in poop and she's spraying it off. I'm like, I don't know if we needed this. This isn't entirely necessary. (laughs) We get rewarded with two nude scenes later, so it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, of the three female characters, I think there's four female characters in the movie with speaking lines and three of the two of them we see naked. So (laughs) it's, but I don't, I'm not sure if that's a fair trade off. Well, might be right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I enjoyed the movie. I had a good time with it. Yeah, it's it, Stuart Gordon has this magical way of creating this thing where it's like the the fun time you're having doesn't take away from the horrificness of the situation you're in. Hmm. Like it can be both enjoyable to watch and like uh, kind of a little bit upsetting while you're watching it as well. Like you feel genuine sympathy for the character. Um, you are appropriately grossed out by the gore and stuff, but you still overall are having a good time. It's, it's a weird. He does it in other movies too. I mean, reanimator might be some of the best examples of like, there's like hardcore gore mom- moments, but then they're super fun to watch for some reason. And his ability to create that atmosphere is fascinating. I don't know anyone else that consistently does it. Yeah. Unfortunately, this would be his last movie before he died. Yeah. I mean, that's genuinely unfortunate. At least he went out on a high note, which I think is like not, Obviously, would have been better if he could have made more movies because, you know, if he was still producing quality like this, but I'm super happy. Yeah. 
My favorite thing when I was Googling any of the behind the scenes stuff in this is I found a bunch of articles that were upset with Mina Suvari being in the movie because apparently it's whitewashing. Apparently the person in the true story was a black girl. And I'm like, I don't know if this, if that's a real criticism of this movie, (laughs) like, I don't know if it's really fair to criticize this movie for hiring a white actress for that role. Like, does, do you think that person is sitting in their prison cell mad that the wrong colored person is playing them in the, their life story? Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's so weird. Yeah. I, I mean, what a, like what a weird complaint to have about this movie. It's like, you know, that movie where the guy gets stuck in the windshield. Yeah. They hired the wrong color actress. Yeah. It's like, Oh, the villain of the piece? The villain? You're mad because the villain is not portrayed correctly? Yeah. And it is a it is a fictionalized version of the events as well. I don't think everything played out exactly the same. <laughs> no. Like, I think up to the point of her hitting him, and I don't think like most of the stuff that happened to him that day is accurate either, necessarily. <laughs> so, I don't know who, much about the act, actual victim. Yeah, please start investigating. Like, oh, his landlord kicked him out today. That's unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah, inspired by true events, not based on true events. It's important to know the difference. Um, but um, I mean, I'm glad they made the changes they did to the real story because the movie's great for it. <laughs> and every like everything looks great too. The only, I guess, this the, there's a bit of CGI when he goes through the windshield. I'm not sure how well that holds up. I think it's probably good by 2007 standards. It's just I'm not sure how well it holds up in 2023. But it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it doesn't really take away anything no. from the movie. I mean, when when you watch low, lower budget movies like we do, you, you tend to see the occasional problem with the effects, and it's going to happen. It's just a just an observation. I don't know. Do you have Do you have any real complaints about the film, though? Uh, not really. Yeah, like it's. Um, like there's nothing I look at and be like, "Well, this movie about the guy stuck in the windshield could have done this better." No. If anything, like, like you said, I feel like all the performances are pretty good. Um, the special effects are good. The dialogue's pretty good for, for like you know what the subject matter is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I have any big complaints. No, I did because they filmed it in Eastern Canada. I did get taken out a little bit because several of the small parts are like, where do I know that person from? And they're all from trailer park boys. Like it's, it's like <laughs> a couple of different, like at least a two that I recognize for sure. And I'm just like, I don't, and I think once you've been in trailer park boys, you're not allowed to be in anything else. It just, I'm always going to no, recognize you from that. So it's a bit of an issue. <laughs> Why? How could Mr. Leahy drive a cab? He drinks too much. It's not appropriate. But anyways, <laughs> I've never watched trailer park. Okay. Anymore. Well, then I guess you wouldn't have that complaint, would you? Nope. Wouldn't bother me, then. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think one of the things that should be pointed out, too, is like, it must be hard to make a movie that stays interesting when it's this little plot. <laughs> like, it's like not that much happens, and there's just a bunch of little moments that they write in that could, they could get boring and they could get repetitive and they could feel like they're forced in just to extend the runtime. Like, the moment where the dog comes into the garage. And like chews on the bone that's sticking out of his leg. <laughs> just, like like I can see that being a moment in a in a poorly made film where you're like, oh my god, like what's the point of this? You're just trying to make the movie 
long enough to release it kind of thing. But in this movie, it all works really well, partially just because of how well it's made, I guess. Plus a dog chewed on his bone that was sticking out of his leg. <laughs> I just wanted to say that again. <laughs> uh, when he finally does get himself out of the window and we see him put a splint on. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. That whole section, I'm just like, oh my God, my legs are hurting. It's I'm watching this. Yeah, again, cringe-inducing. Because it all looks real. That's the thing. That's just, that's the that's the, the the big like plot twist is that she brings that board in to hit him in the head with, and then she leaves it in the car, and he's able to make a splint out of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best thing that happens in his day. Oh fuck! Good lord! The worst part is like I, it's one of those movies too where it ends, and you're like, oh, he got out, and you're like, he still has two broken legs and nowhere to live. <laughs> And the rest of his clothes were just in that shopping cart, so they're all gone now, I guess. His day's still not going to get a lot better. He's just going to not die now, but that's it. Yeah. It's like, what does he do now? Like, he's he's going to go have to go live in that nursing home where <laughs> she worked. It's like, I guess she won't work there anymore now that she's been burned no. to death. So Yeah. Yeah, we do get that. We do. We've been saying that she gets burned to death, which she does. But we do get that satisfying moment where she's standing in front of the car, and he just rams like it starts it and rams down on the accelerator, mm-hmm. and like runs into her and breaks both of her legs, and it's just like ah, finally. Yeah, everything that happens to her, you're just like, I'm glad this is happening to this character. Yeah, and he's gonna set her on fire, but doesn't because he's the better person. Then she pulls a gun out and ricochets a bullet off the hood of the car and sets herself on fire because she's covered in gas. See, like he literally does nothing wrong in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I guess he uses her cell phone without asking for her permission. <laughs> like, that's, that's considered impolite. But. Yeah, which I guess we could excuse. I think so, in the circumstances. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I'd say recommend stuck. Yeah. If you haven't watched it from 2007, huge recommend for me. I, I, I think it's, it's great. Much. Um, there is some, like a remake of it or another version of this story. And I'm very curious to check it out, but kind of nervous. Like, I don't know if you take the Stuart Gordon out of this movie. I'm not sure if it works anymore. Right. What's the name of the, the other version? Uh, I don't know. Oh. I can tell you that uh, in a second, if you want. The magic of accident the on Hill Road. Is that it? I don't know. I, I haven't looked it up yet. In order not to jeopardize her overseas career, an impaired woman who had just run over a male decides to conceal her crime with the victim trapped in the windshield. Part of me hopes that that's not it, and that there's just a lot of movies like this, and we can do a whole week of them. This <laughs> one's from 2010. Looks like it's yeah. That's the movie I'm thinking about. Because it's, it's a it, IMDb recognizes it as a remake. Yeah. And now it's saying other movies you might like, and it's listing all the other Stuart Gordon movies. And I'm like, you're right. I do like all the other student <laughs> You figured me out, IMDb. Um, well, the other movie we teamed it up with is a movie called Compliance. Was it 2011, I believe? I'm thinking 2012, but. Helps if I actually spell it correctly. I don't know why you would do 2012. Yeah, you're right. Um, so this one is based off the real or inspired by the true event 
where a guy called a fast food place, said he was a cop, told the manager that a girl there was in trouble for stealing something from a customer and had her held like in a back room and told people over the phone sort of what to do to her, like strip searcher and like do all this other stuff. And um, pretty much went on like all day because nobody, nobody seemed to question what was happening. And then um, sort of uh, ends up with a weird, not a weird, but with a sexual assault essentially. And um, yeah, just a very strange situation. Yeah. That all ended up turning out to be just a guy on a phone um, making horrible calls which we'll get more into, but essentially, yeah. At one point they refer to it as a prank call and you're like, well, I don't think we should call it that, but it kind of is what it is. Like it is kind of accurate, but it feels wrong to just call that a prank call. It doesn't seem like the word. Right. Yeah. And the movie is from what I've read is pretty accurate to what actually happened. Yeah. From what I can tell, the movie is a lot more faithful than the other version. Um, Yeah. And it's that makes it more upsetting. Um, mm-hmm. I was sort of hoping it was exaggerated. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's this interesting movie about people who, when they think they're talking to someone in authority, don't question things and just go right. along with it. Yeah. Um, it's essentially, there's like a famous experiment that they teach you in like everybody who's ever taken Psych 101 learns about it and it's like where they some some guy in a lab coat and glasses tells you to push a button and that it's shocking someone on the other side and they keep telling you to turn up the shock and as the person on the other side is yelling louder and louder and like a shocking number of people no pun intended um will turn it up to the point where they think they've killed someone and they'll just keep still turning it up because this guy in a lab coat is telling them to and they think they so they literally believe they've killed a person, and they're like, "No, this was all an experiment to see if you'd do it." Turns out you're a murderer. Have a nice day. And that's like this is like a twisted real life version of that, where you're like, he can. Once people are convinced he's a cop, they'll just do what he says. Yeah, uh, I do think the script is really well written in the sense that he, the way he manipulates people, it feels very real. You know, where he appeals to their sense of like. You know, like rewarding them for for listening and like, oh, you listened, you did a really good job there, and then kind of clamp, clamping down on authority whenever they start to question him and stuff. It feels very real, and it feels like he escalates at this like slow scale. To whereas, like, it's almost like the people are they're so deep in it at some point that it wouldn't make sense to question it anymore, and that's when he starts doing the really nasty shit. Yeah. So, like, a majority of this movie takes place in a single room. Mm-hmm. And part of me, when it started, because they don't really get into the phone call stuff till about 20 minutes in. So, they just sort of set up, um, it's this fictional fast food place called, like, Chick Witch. Yeah. So, they sell chicken sandwiches. The real story might have taken place at a McDonald's, and I'm surprised. Yeah. Like, McDonald's yeah. really wants to be everywhere. I'm surprised they wouldn't jump at the marketing <laughs> opportunity. <but. laughs> Yeah. Um, considering there was a lawsuit about it. Yeah. Uh, but they sort of set up sort of this, this, uh, fast food place where, you know, the managers having like a situation where apparently the freezer wasn't shut properly the night before. Yeah. 
So they lost like $1,500 worth of food. So they had to get like an emergency delivery. So she's trying to like, come on, everybody. Like we got to do really good today because that happened. And I'm going to have to talk to the regional manager at some point about it, but I'm trying to fix it first. And we may have like a mystery, mystery shopper come in today to tell us how our service was. So we have to be on point, you know, and she's trying to rally everybody up that like we, it's going to be a busy day. We have to have a good day today. Um, and all this stuff. So like everybody's already kind of stressed to begin with. Yeah. Um, so you're sort of just getting a feel of this, of this place and sort of what the atmosphere is like, people are still fucking around and stuff. So yeah, it did, it did kind of feel like a fast food restaurant. I thought, I, I thought they did a good job early on. Nothing exciting really happens in those early stages. Mm-hmm. Like you say, like they're dealing yeah. with getting a delivery because some food went bad. Like, that's the the biggest thing, and but everything felt very real to me. Like the one, like mm-hmm. the the main girl, like I don't know any of their character names, but she pulled like Becky is her name, but I don't know the actress. She pulls in and she parks, and like the other guy walks up behind her, and he's like threatening to report her because she did, parked too close to the building, and it's a country it goes against policy and stuff. You know what I mean? And it's like all that stuff just like it made everybody seem like real human beings, and. Uh, kind of likable like i don't think there's anybody that really comes across poorly in those opening moments which i think as the movie progresses you're like it it, it really does a good job of helping the, the main victim like you really feel bad for her the whole movie but the other people it does make it feel like you're like you sort of trust that manager lady at the beginning and i'm like as i'm watching the first part of the film when the phone call first comes in i'm like oh yeah i can see how she got manipulated into this and then towards the end, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. So, but it does a good job of like setting them up so that they're there to be knocked down later. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause like you said, everybody's very likable. Like everybody yeah. has their own sort of thing going on. And we find out that, um, the manager ladies possibly going to be getting engaged soon. Yeah. And you, you can see the moment, which I've had in the past when I worked like retail jobs and shit. You had like the sort of like the lame manager who you could tell was trying to fit in with everybody else. Like, hey, I'm just like you guys. Mm-hmm. It sort of has that moment where they're all just talking about guys or whatever. And she's all like, oh, yeah, he's he sexed me all the time. Like, you know, <laughs> when they're talking about. Becky's getting pictures from some guy with his shirt off or whatever that she's hooking up with or something. Yeah. She's trying to like fit in. As soon as she walks away, they're like laughing at her and be like, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Again, though, <clears throat> it felt real to a place oh, where totally. there's like, you know, one or two adults yeah. and a bunch of young people working. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then the calls, the call comes in. It's a guy on the phone says he's a police officer, Becky, and he's able to like, do that like John Edwards thing where you just yeah say some very vague shit and people zero in on it for you. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's what I meant. There's even, there's a little moment too, when he's like, he's like, you got a girl working the counter. Uh, he's like, yeah, like blonde or something. And then she's like, you mean Becky? And he's like, right, Becky, we have Rebecca written down here. That's why I didn't know Becky. And it's like, it's really clever the way it's done. You're like, oh, that's that's really good. Like, I can see how you would think he was asking about that specific girl, even though he clearly doesn't know who he's asking about, you know? Yeah. I really like the way it was done. Yeah. And so they bring Becky back, and then, you know, 
he goes on the whole thing where he's like, well, I have a customer with me who said that she stole money from her. She's probably got it on her. So you should probably check her. And, you know, they go through various stages of this starts out very minor and stuff. And she's like, well, empty your pockets out. And yeah, I have to go look at your purse and stuff. And after a while, it just like the, he starts like ratcheting stuff up and it gets to the point where he's like, you have to strip searcher and everybody just, I mean, the manager lady just kind of goes along with it, but she still is like, well, I have to go get it another shift manager so that there's another yeah, person she in says here. corporate would, would want there to be two of us here and it's like well, yeah, I corporate would want it and then she makes says something like because i think it's corporate policy for strip search we have to have another shift manager and i'm like is there a corporate policy for strip searching your employees i don't know that they're or are you just saying that because you're the manager yeah. and you think like oh my god one of the, one of the things i think the film does really well and well, two of the things. One is I, I really like the way they escalate things slowly. Because yeah. when she pulls her back there and she's like, okay, like we have this report that you may have stolen. Can you empty your pockets? And of course, a manager would ask that. And this girl, knowing she didn't steal anything, of course, she would just empty her pockets. Like, why wouldn't you just to get out of the situation, right? And yeah. it just, so when it starts with simple things like that, and then as it escalates and escalates, you can kind of see how people would get sucked into it. But then the other thing the film, I think, does really well is as as the people are doing worse and worse things to Becky, you can see that at every stage, they're questioning it. They're taking the time to stop and go, this isn't normal. This is obviously not right. Why are we doing this? And then they go along with it anyway. And that's what makes them into the villains of the film. Is- well, the interesting thing that I think I've found from the comparison of the manager feels like she's talking to someone in authority. Mm-hmm. She's telling her to do stuff. And she says throughout the entire thing, even we get like sort of a little wrap up at the very end where she's doing like a TV interview. And she's like, well, I thought I was doing the right thing because the police officer told me to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think what we see in the, because it, it gets to this weird situation where they've, they've stripped her down. She's wearing like an apron just to cover up. And then the manager's like, look, we're busy. I got to go do stuff out front. And the idea is the police are supposed to show up and like take care of it, but they're busy because they're investigating something at the moment. So she keeps bringing different like employees in to like watch her and the employees all at different levels question what's going on. Mm-hmm. But when they're told like we're handling it by their manager, they are also listening to someone who is, an authority to them yeah, and just kind of going along with it because they're like, well, my manager told me they're dealing with it. So it's just an interesting look at different levels of people believing kind of what they're told by somebody who's supposed to be in charge. Yeah. And I think it's important too. like, it's young people being told by the person that they've been taught to respect Mm -hmm. that, Hey, we've got it under control. Okay. Stay out of the way and let them take care of it. Right. But when she tries to get that Kevin guy to actually be involved, I think his name's Kevin, um, he flat out refuses. And I think that's really interesting because, I mean, from a story perspective, and I'm not 100% sure how this ties into the real events, but the idea that the young guy is the rebellious one is like, fuck that. Like, I'll listen to authority to a certain extent, but now you're crossing a line. And now I'm not going to not just not going to listen to you anymore. 
like I think it's it's a really interesting look at our society to say like look you know at some point you know most of us won't be in this situation but everybody eventually gets asked by an authority figure to do something you know is wrong and why is it only the young person that actually knows the difference and actually stands up you know well he stands up but then he just goes back to work and he doesn't ever actually do it but again that gets to that point of he's it's interesting because it, we're getting back to that same issue though of like he's he does do something. He tells his manager what's going on is wrong. Mm-hmm. That is kind of his job in the moment, right? Like I, in a movie, you would expect him to like do something heroic to run in there and smack somebody and drag her out of there and save the day. But in the real world, if you're at work and something goes wrong, what do you do? You report it to your manager and you go back to your job, yeah. you know? And that's what he did. Like he did the right thing. I mean, it'd be nice if he did more, but it's not, you can't really expect this like 19 year old kid who works at a fast food place to do better. Yeah. It's really interesting too, that like a fast food place was picked because there's something about it where you're like, okay, there's going to be adults there who have authority over young people who probably aren't the most educated people who probably don't have a lot of authority in other elements of their lives you know, mm-hmm. who are, you know, 45 year old women who are still excited to be getting sexted by this guy who is not <laughs> I, I, like when the husband shows up, I would not describe him as a conventionally handsome man. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. And so like, it's, that's what they got going on in their lives. So they are still in that they're excited to have the authority over Becky and the other young employees, but also still very compliant with what they see as an authority figure above them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And at some point the, the quote unquote police officer tells her if she's busy, she should have her boyfriend come watch Becky. Yeah. And again, like nobody was like, well, this seems like it's getting out of hand. Yeah. It's just sort of like, okay. And that, yeah. It's so, like, strange. Because this is when everything's been bad up to this point, but this is where it goes really bad. Yeah, that's this is where it gets to the point of, like, physically doing things to her. Yeah. And um, we see earlier that he calls her, he calls his girlfriend to see if he can go hang out with his friend or whatever after work. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you don't have to ask me for permission, but I'm trying, like, I couldn't tell if that's like, she said that because she's at work and she knew other people were like listening or whatever. It's, it's an interesting moment because he obviously feels like he needs to call and ask permission to mm. just go have a beer with the guys after work when she's not home anyway. Right. Like yeah. it'd be different if she was at she's home waiting for him. Yeah. She's at work. And he's just like, I'm just going to, it was a hard day at work and this guy has a new deck. We're all going to go sit on his deck and drink a beer. Like he, he shouldn't need to ask permission, but he clearly feels like he does need to ask permission. And she obviously, it's that character, the manager, obviously in my mind, enjoys having that authority over him. But at the same time is like, I don't want to be that person. Like I'm, she's pretending like, oh, you don't need to ask for permission. You can do whatever you want, but what's what's gone on off screen to make him feel like he needs to call and ask you know what i mean yeah exactly. and, and so i feel like they are setting her up as a person who enjoys abusing this authority 
at the same time setting him up as someone who will do whatever he's told by her, which is very relevant later when you see the horrific things he does and the fact that he's just goes along with it. And I, and feels guilty right after he's done, like immediately after. And is like, it's like, obviously he knows what's wrong while he's doing it, but he's just like programmed to do what he's told. Yeah, the cop starts telling him to do some a bunch of funky shit and um, tells him to like get really authoritative too. Yeah, which is not a role he usually takes. Yeah, so you see him maybe get get into it a little a little bit more than maybe an average person would, mm-hmm. just because it's a position he's not used to. But yeah, and it's, and things go <laughs> things go horribly, horribly. Well, and it's yeah, and it's it's like when you talk about him like spanking her at one point forcing her to do jumping jacks naked in front of him and you're like it's 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 very upsetting to watch and i think part of the reason it's so upsetting to watch is because all this stuff kind of fits into various well-known fantasy stuff that like not the types of movies we review on this podcast but i'm sure there's a podcast (laughs) out there that would that would review movies that show these things in a very different light. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's yes. like to to see them in real life here, um, I think is it, it puts a new spin on something that um mm-hmm. it, I don't I don't I'm trying trying to figure out say it. Like the fact that probably a lot of people who have watched this have at least heard of, if not seen videos where these things are done in a more fun way and then it's like oh but here's what it would be like if that really happened and it's like oh there's something just really off-putting about that not good you know like it's weird because you could take like this scenario where somebody calls up pretends they're a cop makes the person do goofy goofy things at first and then it escalates into something like crazy if if i told you hey guess what revenge of the nerds three Mm-hmm. They call up this place and pretend to be cops and make these girls take the tops off exactly, and do yeah. stuff. And then you could be like, "Oh, well, that's that's." I mean, sure, that's just that's just a goofy '80s, you know. Yeah, it, it, it could be played totally funny thing. Yeah. yeah, but then you watch it in like a real life situation where it's not all goofy and funny, and you see how violating it is, and it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is not good. This is this is terrible. Yeah. I even think they did a, a great job with the casting. The lead girl, like her performance is really good, which is important because this is a very like seriously toned film. Um, but just her appearance, like she from moment to moment, she goes from looking very innocent to looking quite attractive. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. know, like she you could play her off as like sexy or whatever you wanted to do if that's the movie you were making. But then when she, she does have kind of a younger looking face as well. Like she's supposed to be 18, 19 years old. She looks that age, you know, I don't know how old the actress was, but it, it's not a 35 year old playing an 18 year old. So for sure. Um, it's, it's really well done where you're like, yeah, like it's again, because in the back of your mind, you're thinking this stuff could be in, in a revenge of the nerds movie. When you saw her, naked it would be a totally different experience than when you see her naked in this movie mm. it's comparable to uh jessica jones remember in that series when 
there was I forget oh, the, yeah. the bad guy's name, but he could mind control everyone, and yeah. he was using it to have all these women sleep with him. And then some of the women afterwards were like, "Yeah, we remember all that happening, and we did not want to be doing those things, but we could not stop ourselves because you were mind controlling us." And you're like, "Oh my god, is that ever horrific?" And that's sort of what it feels like here, where you're like, "Kilgrave." Yeah, that was his name, I think. Yeah. And and in the comics, he's known as the Purple Man. Yeah, I know he wore a purple coat in the. <laughs> in the yeah, uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> show, but yeah. Anyways. But I mean, like that's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the same sort of scenario that is. Uh, it, you're just like I. It makes it more upsetting because all that those implications are there that exist in the world where this this could be seen in such a different way. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily saying there's anything wrong with presenting it in a funny way in another movie, but it, it's important to remember sometimes that stuff that's funny in a movie isn't funny in real life. Yeah. And uh, Pat Healy plays the guy on the phone. He's been in like a billion different things. I, see, I, didn't, uh, I didn't recognize him, but I felt like I should recognize him. Does that make sense? Did you ever see uh, the Innkeepers, Ty West movie? Uh, yeah, once a long time ago. Yeah, he's like the main guy in that. Okay. The guy with the, He's like one of the people that uh, work at the inn or whatever. They're yeah. finding ghosts and shit. Yeah. That's the main thing I know him from. He's been in a shit ton of other stuff, but um, so we don't we're not presented with him like right away. Like we just are, sort of know about as much as the, um, the characters that are on the phone. I wanted to ask you about this. So, did you know the true story going in? I did. Okay. So it kind of ruined everything for me. I knew exactly where this was going. I'm curious if somebody was watching this who didn't know the true story, if they would believe that that was a cop on the phone at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious yeah. about that. I just, I don't know anyone who's watched this movie, but didn't know the true story going into it. So it's too bad. No, it's not here. Yeah. Never thought we'd say um, that. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that just a dick move. Um, uh, so yeah, it's uh it's interesting because you know, we're not given anything other than we have a voice on the phone who claims to be a police officer. Yeah. Um, you know, telling people what to do, blah, blah, blah. But then about, I don't know, two thirds of the way through the movie, they start showing the dude on the other end of the phone. Mm-hmm. And we realize like, Oh, he's not a cop. He's just some guy sitting in his house. Yeah. And then cut back to him later. And he's like making a sandwich. <laughs> there was something evil about the fact that he was doing all this while making a sandwich. It was, right? it was it was just such a casual act. Like they show him like cutting up cheese and stuff, and you're like, he's just so. It, it's like this is just part of his day. And the end of the movie, the reveal is that he's done this a bunch of other times, right? Um, yeah. And I think you know, so it was this. All this was kind of was just a hobby for him. Is tormenting people like this, mm. and it's just like, my god. Yeah, when he was started making that sandwich, I got very upset. I'm just like, don't. This isn't something you do over lunch. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, at least if you you imagine if someone's, like, torturing people in this way, that he would be, it would be, like, the the big part of his day. You know what I mean? That's just something he did, like, you know, when nothing else was on. Like, oh, there's nothing on TV. I think I'll torment some human beings. Yeah, then it gets even worse uh, because his, uh, right after he finishes up, his daughter comes home. 
so he's got like a little a little girl that comes in and is talking about her i don't know some stuffed animals she yeah. got or something and he's interacting with her and acting like a normal father oh yeah he, girl yeah. and stuff like there's a moment where she's pointing out how many pockets the stuffed animal has and he's like pretending to be excited about it and i'm like yeah. that's exactly what being a parent is is your kid showing you shit that doesn't matter and you haven't to care <laughs> yeah like um uh, i've had to deal with that as an uncle yeah like especially yeah like there's there's a certain age where kids get very excited about stuff that's nonsensical and yeah. you have to I shouldn't even say you have to care. Part of being a parent is you do care. You're happy because they're happy. You don't actually care about the number of pockets. But, but And I think that's important because he comes across in that moment as he's genuinely happy his daughter's home. Like he's like he was just doing yeah. that other stuff because like whatever, the kids are with the grandparents. What am I going to do all day now? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting that he has a little girl considering he just – did that to a little girl did all this horrible shit to you know an 18 or a 19 year old yeah so yeah it's interesting um like a maintenance guy shows up and is then put in charge of the girl and he's the only one who's just like fuck this this is all fucked yeah, up he's just like no and he goes out and he's just like no like this is this is yeah, horrible basically just yeah well and so yeah. finally that's when people start like paying attention and be like oh fuck maybe this is not Maybe this is fucked up. Because it's interesting, too, because it's another guy that's like like the maintenance guy. is kind of the low man on the totem pole of all these people. And it's him that stands up again, just like it was the young guy that refused to do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to these other people who were in much higher positions of authority who did nothing. Yeah. It's and I, I do think that's interesting. And I think it, it feels very real. Again, it's like the, the grumpy old maintenance guy who, you know, He's nice to everybody, but he clearly doesn't really want to be there. He's the one that refuses to listen to authority again. That just, that feels very real to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then you get kind of the, yeah, the, 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 the final wrap up is it's all just like cops show up and they're like, what the fuck was everyone thinking? And this poor girl, should they ever right? wrapped in the blanket? And they're like, yeah, your parents are going to come get you. And then we're going to deal with this tomorrow. Like they're like the real cops are like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, yeah. What do you mean you all listen? even hear like the usual cop questions? Like, well, is there any point you just, you said no to getting undressed? Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, dude, that's fucking terrible. Yeah. It's just, it's yeah. But yeah, then, yeah, like you said, the big reveal is this has happened like multiple times. Yeah, I forget the number, but it's a lot. Yeah. We find out it happened. This specific guy, I guess, did it like, 70 times yeah. across 30 states or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, so. cause when the cop calls, like he finds out where the calling card that the guy was using came from. So he calls the cops in that jurisdiction and they mistake it for another case because the facts sound so similar. Yeah. 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 So I guess in real life, the girl sued McDonald's for like Five million yeah, dollars or something. She, yeah, I think the settlement was like five point four million or something, which seems absolutely fair that she gets that much. Um, yeah, she, she shouldn't have to go back to working at a fast food place after that. She should probably get to retire. No, no, no. Um, yeah, it's like you don't have to work anymore. Some some sum of money that's big enough for you to just go live your life somewhere else, away from all this. Spend, spend it carefully. Don't, yeah. don't go crazy, oh, yeah. but you don't. You can live 
comfortably. No, yeah, just you, uh, you, know. you can invest five point four million in a manner that it generates enough income for you to survive and live a comfortable life without ever having to yeah. go back to a fast food job. So, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of fucked up. Yeah, and the movie is done super well. Like I said before, I was the beginning of it. I'm like, are they going to be able to stretch this concept out for like an hour and a half movie? Yeah. They actually do, and it's actually somewhat interesting throughout the entire movie. Yeah, it, which is crazy. It's interesting through the entire movie, and then it's worth noting all the stuff with the cops at the end. That's all. That all happens very, very quickly. That's five minutes yeah. of the film, and the wrap up where you see her meeting with lawyers and all that. That's the last five minutes of the movie. It's everything happens in that store throughout that day in the in, in the main part of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's done super well, super compelling. Yeah, upsetting uh, in a in a real visceral way as it should be. Yep. Yeah, um, uh, especially if you know the real story, you spend the whole time going, "Why? When is somebody just going to be like, no?" Yeah, worth noting that like the store manager and the husband in real life were both convicted of like sexual assault, which good, um, yeah. you know. But it's like, and I, I think if I read correctly and I don't have the story in front of me, they think they found the guy who was on the phone, but they charged him and they couldn't get a conviction because it was just too hard to prove. Yeah. They didn't have enough evidence. So it's like whoever did that part of it is still out there. Presumably now every fast food chain has like a, some kind of a (laughs) somewhere in the manager training is like, don't sexually assault your employees. If some guy on the phone says you should. Yeah. Which is crazy. That's a weird precedent that you have to set. It's it's so weird to me that adults who work with young people have to be taught not to not to like do these types of things. I don't know. Yeah. I, I like I knew a teacher once and she said every year there's like training on like if you're teaching at a high school and you find yourself dating a student, that's against the law and you're going to go to jail. So don't do that. Like don't, don't have like any like interaction, inappropriate interactions. And she said like, it was like still like would happen from time to time. Like it wasn't as rare as you would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like my girlfriend works for a company that um, essentially is in charge of like the kitchen in like prisons and yeah. stuff. Like they do a bunch of other stuff, but her specific job is she's like the manager of the um, couple different prisons kitchens. Right. And she's like, yeah, the amount of training you have to go through and the number one rule, don't sleep with the prisoners. Still happens a bit. She will text me and Hey, I got a phone call from our regional manager today. He's having problems with this other prison. Guess what? Yeah. Somebody slept with a prisoner. It's so it just, it doesn't like, I get that people have base human urges and that those aren't always, you can't always control what urges you have, but it doesn't seem that hard to control them. Like just right. Especially if you know this person's in prison. Well, yeah, yeah, like if, like in the case of a prisoner, it's like, they're not going to, they're not going to, you're not going to run into them outside of work. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. the same thing with like high school students, you shouldn't be running into your high school students just like, you know, out and about. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else about either one of these movies? No. Uh, considering the, the theme is 
movies inspired by true events. Um, I think it's very upsetting that these are both inspired by true events. Uh, very, very different movies, though. Uh, both, I think, I think I would go as far as to say both great in their own way. Completely different styles of movies. One is a lot more. Yeah. One is a lot more fun to watch than the other, but both accomplish what they're going for in a in a very real way. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Doug, what have you watched since last episode? Well, uh, let's see. I went and saw Silent Night. Which Thinking about going to see that. I didn't go see it. Yeah. Uh, it's not very good. Oh. Um... Like, I mean, there's not even any point in really getting into it, but like John Woo and I have very different ideas about the appropriate use of slow motion. Mm. Um, and he has not, like, if you saw John Woo films in the 90s, he has not updated his filmmaking style. So you know what you're getting going in, um, which I knew was a risk. But I this, I don't know. He He goes a little too far with the art house element of his filmmaking in this one for me. So, like, the the protagonist of the film in the opening scenes, like, the, the basic plot is it's Christmas morning, gang war going on, kid gets killed by a stray bullet, dad chases down the gangsters, they shoot him, leave him for dead, he survives, gets out of the hospital, sets up a plan, he's given himself until the next Christmas Eve, he's going to go kill all the guys that he feels are responsible, right? Mm-hmm. It's a simple enough plot, but... Um, First of all, it's set on Christmas Eve, specifically. And you would think that they'd have a lot of fun with that, right? Maybe break an ornament, stab a dude with it, choke him with some tinsel, whatever. Nothing. No. It's set in Texas. There's not even snow on the ground. Like, there's nothing Christmassy about it at all. And I'm like, well, then why do that, right? So that's annoying. Yeah, because even like, when, like, Shane Black does Christmas stuff, like, in California. Yeah still feels like Christmas. The, the final fight between like the, the leader of the gang and this like dad, that's the main character of the movie happens in like a ballroom where a party was going on. Maybe have some Christmas trees in that ballroom. I don't know. Yeah, there are some like things hanging that someone later told me could be Christmas decorations, but I'm like, I don't see them that way. Like it looks, it's just like he's at a rave. I'm like, why wouldn't you like do better? As I guess is my response to that. <laughs> it is just, yeah, it is. It's just, that part was mildly frustrating because I, the reason I went and saw it is because I thought, oh, it's a Christmas movie, and like last year, Violent Night was so much fun. I'm like, if they're gonna put out one like super violent Christmas movie a year, I'm gonna go to one a year. Like it's, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, but then tell me if you would find this frustrating. Early early in the film, the guy gets shot in the throat, right? And so he can't talk. That's his like thing. Hence Silent Night, right? Yeah. But plot twist. No one else in the fucking movie talks either. Not a single line of dialogue yeah. in the whole movie. I've heard there was no dialogue in it. So why did we have this whole plot point of the main character getting shot in the throat and not being able to talk? 
I mean, apparently he lives in a world where no one speaks. So what difference does it make? <laughs> you know what I mean? It looks really good when he gets shot in the throat. I love watching the blood bubble out and everything. Like, it's pretty cool. And there's like some close-ups on him when they're like doing the surgery and stuff to save his life. But I don't understand why it's done that way. And then the gimmick of having no one else talk, it's hard to pull that off for a full movie, you know? So you end up with scenes where he can't speak to his wife after he's gotten out of the hospital because he's lost his vocal cords. So she's texting him. But why Why is she texting him if they're in the same room? Like, it's just because they want this gimmick to work where nobody in the movie talks. But, but it just feels like, hey, hey, look, no one in the movie can talk. Look, she has to text him because she can't talk, but she, she could talk. There's no reason why she couldn't just fucking talk. So it just gets annoying. And most of the action is just like, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. But I would say if you want to watch like a over stylized revenge tale where the guy comes back a year later and just kills all the people that killed somebody loved, just watch the crow. If you want to to watch a movie about a dad going after the gang that killed his son, watch death sentence. There are better movies out that do all this stuff. So I don't know why you would need to watch this one. I, I was I was pretty frustrated with it. I have to be honest. I think I just had I let my hopes get too high that at least there'd be like fun Christmas kills and stuff in it. And I I don't know I forgot that John Woo and I don't like the same things about movies. I guess oh. so. Maybe all that stuff would be a positive to other people. I don't know. Like if you hear that, if you hear none of the characters in the movie talk and you get really excited, then go see this. <laughs> I don't know. Or just watch any other movie and turn the volume down, I guess. That'd be the other option. <laughs> just... <laughs> There's a, Okay, there, I, I'm still going to complain more. Because as, okay. I, as I complain about movies, I get myself worked up. And I get, but like, there's a, so there's a, a cop character in this movie. And early on, like, this dad goes to like, talk to the cops about what's happened. And the cops like, kind of ignoring him. And that's when he takes pictures of like, some of the evidence in the cop's office. And that's how he knows who to go kill, right? And you're like, okay. But then, like, towards the end of the movie, that cop ends up joining him in the fight and, like, is heavily involved in the final shootout and stuff. And you're like, but I don't know that cop character. We never got to know him. We don't know what his story is. What the hell is he doing here? Like, (laughs) this whole movie has been about a guy on a one-man revenge kick. He just added a second man in for no reason. Hmm. Why? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, like, again, if, if the characters were allowed to speak, maybe they would have had a conversation and you could have built up some sort of relationship between the two of them, and, you know, but it, it's just, and then there's all sorts of like dumb logic like that. Like there's a moment where they come up to like this one woman and she's for some reason able to stop these two guys, even though they've just killed like hundreds of people to get to this point of the movie. And you're like, okay, that's real dumb action movie logic in the middle of your art house film. And you can't have both of those things because you've slowed your movie down long enough to give me time to think you've done all this stylized stuff to draw my attention to the kind of film you're making. Now I'm thinking about it. And now, you know, you're noticing the inconsistencies in the character and the characters that have no business being in the scene and all that stuff. So I was frustrated. Hmm. I don't know if you could tell or not. Yeah. I couldn't tell at all. (laughs) So, and then after that, I made a huge mistake. Oh, this wasn't is, already a huge mistake? Well, it made the other mistakes a lot more fun. 
which is that I, uh, I needed something to put on in the background while I was doing something. So I just hit play on season one, episode one of Dexter. Oh. And now I haven't watched anything else. <laughs> I'm, I'm about halfway through season two now. <laughs> and I'm like, I only have 30 days of Paramount Plus, so I've got to try to get through all four seasons of Dexter before yeah. my 30 days. So the, the good news is the show ended after at the end of season four. So. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's so fun to watch Dexter again. I, <laughs> like, I haven't seen like season one of Dexter since, I don't know. It's got to be close to 10 years. So it's like watching it again. And it's, I love how well written it is. I love all the characters. Yeah. I love all the interactions between like Dev and Dexter. And I love like how there's all these like little moments that play out. And then later, like little like offhanded comments. And then later they end up paying off. And you're like, oh, right. Because they're really smart and they wrote this and they actually planned their season out, you know. So that they could say things in episode four that would be relevant in episode seven, you know. Yeah. But I like, like you could do. We could do a whole podcast going through each little thing like that. <laughs> Season two is a real drop off. Um, like all yeah. the stuff with, like so. There's there's the Bay Harbor butcher element of it. I don't know if you remember this, but season one is like yeah. the ice truck ice truck killer. Yeah, it turns out to be his brother. Spoiler alert, but. The show came out in 2006. Um, but like, it's all, it's all really well executed, I think. And season two is like, okay, you've got this thing where somebody discovers where Dexter has been dumping his bodies and they start the investigation and he's working in the police department where they're investigating him. And the one cop is like already suspects him of stuff. So it's like following him around and stuff and all yeah. that. I, I kind of like, like I thought that all that is being handled really well. Surprise, motherfucker. Yeah. But then the other side plot is like Dexter's breaking up with his girlfriend because like she caught him doing some stuff. And it's like, well, wait a minute. How do you have the same character? Like he's working in a police department who's investigating a serial killer and he's the serial killer. And he's able to keep like the FBI and the Miami PD off of his, off of his uh, trail. Like, outsmart all of them and then his girlfriend accuses him of stuff and he can't think of a lie to get out of it like it doesn't make yeah. sense you know what i mean like it's and he ends up going with this lie where he claims to be an addict and there's this whole weird subplot where he's like in a na and all this and you're like okay but you know another option would be to do that do that differently <laughs> uh, do it do it in a way where he he doesn't look like he's so completely out of control there when he's so completely in control in his work life thing. Cause it just it contradicts itself, I think. But yeah. Did you watch the uh, revival series? Yes, I did. I don't remember. Did you enjoy it or not? I did. Um, it's not great, but it's good. Yeah. I would have been happy to see more of that. I'd still like, mm -hmm. like I'd still love um, to see a season 10 with, you know, yeah. Yeah, I just like some of the small touches like you were touching on before that they kind of do. Because um, I noticed when the revival series happened, after the first episode, I had a couple of friends that were like, I don't know, something just seems off. And I would bring up to them, I'm like, because um, in the show ending that doesn't exist, when he goes to be a lumberjack, um, we see that the show ends and he doesn't he doesn't have his dark passenger anymore. Mm -hmm. meaning that you know 
he's he doesn't have an an inner monologue as he does throughout the entire series. Yeah. And so then I would ask them, I was like, is it because he doesn't have an inner monologue throughout the first episode? Because he gets it back like at the very end of the first episode. And it's like, oh, his dark passenger's back, which yeah. only spells destruction for everybody. Um, and so I would point that out and they'd be like, you know what? I think you're right. Yeah. It fell off because we didn't have the current, the ongoing running monologue throughout it. And then they would get another chance and, and that, seem to that, enjoy it. Yeah. That's a sign of greatness in the show though. Is that yeah, like, totally like they did that on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The writing is really well done. And there's just so many like fun moments where it's like, mm-hmm. like there's, there's one moment in season two actually that is really funny where like Masuka is like completely overwhelmed because he's got all these bodies he's trying to deal with. And he's like, Oh man, this like, this Bay Harbor butcher is ruining my uh, is ruining my social life. And Dexter goes, just goes, sorry. But the way it's shot, I'm like, did he say that in his head or out of his head? I'm not sure which. <laughs> like, I'm not sure which version of Dexter just apologized there. And, like, it, obviously, that it, sorry can mean two completely different things depending on whether it was said by your coworker or the killer that's actually ruining your social life. Yeah, but it's just stuff like that can be super fun. Yeah, I, uh, I was watching. Um... Cindy was over this weekend and we were watching an episode of Supernatural. As I had previously said, we're working through that show. Yeah. Still, still on the first season. Cause we only watch like a couple episodes every other weekend. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is how she's roping you into a long-term relationship. <laughs> You'll be on her right? nine when you're done that show. Right. Um, but Julie Benz was on an episode and I was like, Oh, it's Darla from Buffy. And I'm like, or Rita from Dexter, I guess. But then I just casually threw out. I'm like, ah, yeah, she ends up. John Lithgow kills her at the end of season four. And she's she just looked at me. And she's like, John Lithgow. And I'm like, you didn't know John Lithgow was on Dexter. Apparently, she had never watched Dexter. Oh. And I'm just like, wait, wait, wait. And she's like, John Lithgow. And I'm like, oh, so you have no idea. You have no idea how good he is. I was like, he is so fucking good on season four. Yeah. So I may have to end up getting her to watch Dexter. Yeah, I was I was talking to a, another Dexter fan about that uh, about that, and it's like I legitimately feel bad for like the people who had to make seasons like five and six, right? not seven and eight because fuck them, they screwed those up themselves. But can you imagine like watching season four happen, and then they're like, okay, uh, get to work on next year, guys. And you're like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? <laughs> what are we supposed to do? Like. I don't understand how it's like, and, yeah. and I, I legitimately feel bad for them. Yeah. Somebody's got to be like, you've realized the last episode of season four is like the peak of the mountain, right? Like it, it only goes downhill from here. Yeah. And like, no I, matter I, what. I don't, like, I haven't seen these in a while, but like, like I don't remember five and six being bad. I just remember people going, yeah. well, well, this is a letdown. And it's like, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> like you're climbing. At some point you get to a peak. It's not like you're not enjoying the climb back down the other side, but you can't deny you're going down. Like, Yeah. Man. You may have started something. I may need to rewatch Dexter now. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm trying, I'm trying to make it through now. Luckily I have a little bit of quiet time at work right now, so I can kind of put it on the background and get through some of the middle episodes of the each season while I'm working. So, because they're only like ten episode seasons, right? Yeah, I think they're twelve. Twelve? Yeah. The later ones might be smaller. 
I think the last yeah. one was only was only ten. Season eight's twelve. Yeah, sorry, the yeah. revival series was only ten. I think yeah. I could be wrong about that off the top of my head. Though. Yeah, looks like they're about twelve apiece. It's still still better than fucking Supernatural. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm really happy that we've come around to just having short series now. I, where we don't we don't have to have 22 episodes a season. Yeah, it, there's almost no show you can go back and watch that is a 22 episode season and not feel like some of that was filler. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad we've adopted the UK model for TV shows. It's just like yeah, some some series are 10 episodes, some are. Summer, you know, 16. I feel like to, yeah, one of the needs to be. huge advantages to the streaming era is that there are, a lot of that is gone. A lot of the, like, it has to be exactly this many minutes long. It has to be exactly this, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of disadvantages to the streaming era we're, we're noticing, but that's one of the big <laughs> advantages. Yeah. Um, did you watch anything else? Uh, don't, no, I didn't. I just kept watching Dexter. Watch Dexter. <laughs> Which I don't blame you. Sorry. <laughs> like, like, yeah, that's fine. That's, yeah. Um, a friend of mine let it slip uh, earlier this earlier last week. He had never seen They Live before. Son of a bitch. And I was like, what <laughs> the fuck, dude? That's upsetting. So I was like, all right, well, you're going to have to come over this weekend and we're going to have to watch it. And he's like, okay. I don't know how you managed to wait till the weekend. I would have made him watch that night. Um, but then I also found out he's never seen Commando. Oh my god! So I was like, "Dude, you're coming over. We're having a They Live Commando double feature." <laughs> that sounds like such a good day, right? Um, and I, I, I think I'm actually being incorrect. I think he's like, I saw like bits and pieces of it on TV when I was younger, but I have not of which actually one? Commando. Okay, but I've never actually watched it. I'm just like, all right, well. Like I said, you're coming over. We're going to fix this. Had a couple other other people come over. Like, we're doing a movie day. We're correcting this this egregious mistake. Um, but then my friend comes over, and he's like, oh, I actually only have time to watch one movie. And I'm like, God damn it. Oh, put you in a real bind there. Yeah. So I let him. I'm just like, well, which one should we watch? And he's like, well, the little bit we talked about They Live, I feel like, is one I want to watch then. And I was like, okay. So we watch They Live. And I mean, it's great. Yeah. It's... I don't know. I don't know. Uh, probably don't need to go into, into how great they live is, but so good. You can, if you want, like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, what I, one of the things I love about that movie is just how absurd it is. Mm. And yet it still holds up. Like, yeah. like describe any scene of that movie to anyone. And it sounds ridiculous when you say it. But then watch it, and you're like, "Nope, it's great. I don't care. I don't care how ridiculous it seems on paper. It's genuinely great." Yeah. Um, when it was over, I asked him what he thought. He's like, "Yep, that's pretty much what I thought it would be," which is silly. And I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, I guess, but you don't sound like you took as much away from it as you, as you should have." Well, yeah, it's one of those funny things, though, where you're like, "Yeah, on a first viewing, I can see how you would just say, yeah, that's just silly.'" But then watch it again and watch it while you're thinking a different way and watch it when you're in a different mood. And it it, it can, it, it, it obviously, like, we don't need to get into the social commentary and they live, everybody knows. <laughs> but I can, I, 
I think that's one of the great things about it is that it does work on that level. Like when I was a kid and I watched it, I didn't know it was about consumerism. I was fucking mm-hmm. that movie came out what like eighty seven, eighty yeah somewhere eighty seven eighty eight somewhere around. Yeah, I was I was a child. I didn't know what the hell all that meant, but I love the movie still because aliens and Roddy Piper and a fucking eleven minute long fight scene, like you know. So it works on those many different levels, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so that was great. Um, got to talk about how I interviewed Roddy Piper once. And, you know, you lost a bunch about of, that. Of course, who wouldn't? Um, you know, showed off my wrestling belt that I have signed by him because it's Roddy Piper. You have to. Yeah. I mean, there's no um, needed. Right. So that was fun. Uh, he Then he left. He had something else to do. So Commando's been postponed. Uh, then my other friend, who I'm usually educating on stuff, was still hanging out. And so I was like, well, what should we watch? And um, he informed me he had finally seen Alien for the first time the week before. Oh. And I was like, God damn it, dude. At least you did it without me prodding you to do it. How do it. you find Come these on. people? <laughs> right? So then I was like, well, I mean, I guess we then have to watch Aliens because you need to. And I explained to him, like, okay, everything you loved about the first movie, where it's like this slow burn, like haunted house sort of, you know, um, single creature, like taking out people and stuff, everything you love about that, throw all of that away. This one, this one's the the movie on, on fucking... Uh, crack afterwards yeah there's like hundreds of those things uh it's all about giant guns and shit blowing up and you know fucking ripley fights a queen alien in a robot suit so it's like completely different yet somehow still the same no it's in no way the same it feels like a movie from a totally different series (laughs) i always tell them like like i don't recommend you watch despite the fact that it is a direct sequel and picks up right where the story is, I still yeah. don't, I still don't recommend watching those movies back to back. Cause if you love one, it's going to hurt your ability to enjoy the other. But if you watch them <laughs> separately, if you just watch them like three weeks apart or something, yeah. then they really, they both work. Uh, so we watched that and that was a lot of fun. Um, uh, <laughs> When uh, we find out about Paul Reiser, he's just like that fucking prick. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, every fucking movie Paul Reiser is in, he's a giant asshole. <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate or not. I only know him it's accurate. Movie. I say it is. I don't know if I know him from that many things. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's just it's fantastic. Aliens blow up, acid everywhere. Uh, Bill Paxton. There you got so, me. I continued, continued my Bill Paxton watching for another week. And then it got to the uh, game over, man. And uh, he's like, oh, that's where that's from. I never, I've never, i heard that before. I didn't know where it was from. That's why he's got to start watching proper movies. Right? I'm like, it's Bill Paxton from Aliens, buddy. That's, that's what that is. Yeah. Oh, good old Bill Paxton. <laughs> that's where he, that, that movie is like where he's a, his Bill Paxtonist. Like he's just yeah should have done a Bill Paxton triple feature should have done Terminator Aliens and then Predator Two <laughs> like look he gets killed by each one and all three of them still such an honor 
<laughs> he deserves it. But. Yeah. You could have got him in RoboCop somehow. Careful. Somebody will AI that to happen. <laughs> uh, Random side note. AI might sure. be the thing that chases me off social media. Oh, really? Yeah. Just just a, a message to everyone out there. Just because you have an idea doesn't mean you got to plug it into an AI generator and post it for everyone else to see. It's fine. You don't need to oh. mix all of your favorite stuff together randomly. Come on, Don Knotts running a strip club. See, if you do it once in a while, it's fun. <laughs> but I've had to unfollow so many people that I've just... Whatever the app is that puts your own face into a movie, it's yeah. like you don't need to do every fucking movie. I've had to unfollow so many people on social media that just won't stop doing it. I'm just like, I don't, I want to see other stuff besides your face. It's Eric, isn't it? No comment. I don't, <laughs> I don't recall off the top of my head if he's done it or not. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Well, it's the holiday season. And so, of course, when you think of like Christmas trees and, um, presents and santa claus you think of uh completely psychotic serial killers at least i do i don't know i mean around here we do yeah of course um so i was thinking of looking at two different uh movies that have uh psychopaths in them and that's uh copycat and primal fear okay some harry connick jr and some edward norton i have never seen copycat i don't think no Primal Fear, I remember being really good. Yeah, but I've I never seen. I don't remember if it was like really good because of Ed Norton's performance or because the rest of the movie is good too. Yeah, uh, I've seen part of Copycat, and it's been a long time, so I've kind of been wanting to revisit it. And since Noah's not here, and I had to randomly pick something, it seems like the perfect opportunity. Yeah, and this counts as Noah's picks. So yeah, whose turn? So next week it won't be his turn. No, it'll be my turn again. That's um, long as it's not Noah's turn. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I'm gonna have a couple picks because I got a couple couple things set up for the rest of the year, which should prove interesting. Oh. Interesting. Uh, all right. Now I'm curious. Yeah, we haven't decided on a Christmas thing yet, uh, but I have something definitely set up for New Year's Eve. So, all right, should be interesting. We're not doing that next week. It's Copycat and Primal Fear, Sigourney Weaver and Harry Connick Jr., and then Richard Gere and Edward Norton. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe they're yeah, both we'll duds. Look. I haven't watched them in forever. So. Yeah, like my concern with Primal Fear is like, oh my God, Ed Norton. I remember that performance. I remember it being great. I don't think I knew who he was the first time I saw it. So like, you know, I wasn't expecting it. But then I also remember Richard Gere being in it. And there's like, he plays like a douchebag who doesn't want to become a judge because a judge is a dead end job. And you're like, Oh God, I remember that line of dialogue thinking, Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) One of these fucking people. So hopefully it's mostly Ed Norton and very little Richard here. Yeah. We'll we'll see, I guess. Um, I don't know. What else shall we talk about? Do you want to know the most random movie related thing I was thinking about this week? (laughs) Okay. So do you you remember in like the mid eighties, there was a movie called hiding out. Um, I remember there was one because I randomly bought it and I've still not watched it. I don't think I've ever seen it. So in that movie, the whole plot is that John Cryer is like a stockbroker or like an accountant or something. 
who gets mixed up with the mob. They have a hit out on him. And he like runs to like his cousin's house and then he like shaves his beard and enrolls and, and just starts going to his cousin's high school. And hilarity ensues, right? And it probably doesn't. It's probably not that funny, but whatever. Sure. You know. Um I don't know, for some reason in the middle of this week I kept thinking like the guy's an adult, but when he shaves his beard, he just looks like a high school student. And yet that movie came out in an era where there would be no meta jokes about that whatsoever. There's no joke in there about the fact that they're hiring adults to play high school students. And that's why <laughs> he can blend into them. <laughs> and it's really disappointing to me. I don't look well. I guess I'm never going to go back and watch that movie again. Because, like, what a missed opportunity for, like, some real good meta humor. <laughs> <laughs> like they should have at least got like an actor like the exact same age as him to play his cousin who's supposed to be much younger but that's that's the most random movie related thought that I had all this week <laughs> <laughs> uh, also probably don't watch that movie because I'm pretty sure there's a subplot where he falls in love with one of the high school girls while he's there yep. and I'm like yep. I don't know I don't remember how old the John Cryer character is supposed to be, but I remember that he was one beard away from being a stockbroker. So. Yeah, that happened in uh, 21 Jump Street, the movie. Oh, yeah? Where Jonah Hill kind of falls in love with uh, Bria Grant. Or Bria, uh, not Bria, uh, Captain Marvel. What the fuck's her name? Brie Larson. Brie Larson, yeah. And the movie just sort of ends with like, hey, I'm actually an adult who's a cop. And they never really touch on the fact like you were you were into this girl. I believe you kissed her at some point. That's not so cool. And then even in the sequel, they just never bring it up. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't either, especially if you're a yeah. cop. I mean, you're surrounded by other people who are trained to arrest you for that. Um, this is okay. Now, here's this though, in that hiding out movie. I might be wrong because I haven't seen this movie in a long time. But I think... The movie ends with him testifying against the mob, getting put in witness protection, and getting put at the college where that high school girl he fell in love with goes to so they can continue their relationship. So, like, the U.S. federal government helped him create a fake identity that would allow him to continue committing this crime of dating an underage girl. What the fuck? (laughs) The 80s were something else, man. They were. I just uh, had an article published about 80s movies that are that do not hold up whatsoever because of uh, horrible things in them. Because of stuff like that? Yeah. That one wasn't on my <laughs> list. But. Stuff like the... Who, I don't know who would be in charge of that. The uh, In charge of the witness protection program, if that's an FBI thing or something. Yeah. But the idea of like, well, if he wants to date this 17-year-old, then we'll have to put him undercover at a college. <laughs> It's the only logical thing to do. Yeah. The big one on my list was uh, Soul Man, where a guy takes tanning pills so he can look black to get a black scholarship. (laughs) There was a whole movie with C. Thomas Howell that centered around this concept. I mean, it's better than them just having C. Thomas Howell play a black guy and giving him a tan first, which is, <laughs> there was a lot of that going on back then. Which, uh, Short Circuit 1 and 2 were on my list for the exact mm-hmm. same reason, which when doing research, I found that that character was supposed to be white. And right before they started filming, the director's like, but what if he's Indian? 
And nobody recast anybody. They just went with it. The how about just the fact that a joke in the eighties was, what if the guy has an Indian accent? Or a Pakistani <laughs> accent, because nobody knew either one of them. Like, yeah. and it was just like, if you had one of those two accents, that was inherently funny. That it, There was nothing else to the joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because even when you look at, like, The Simpsons and, like, the whole Apu thing, and I know it's been controversial lately, but yeah. the joke is that it's stereotypical that a lot of Indian people come over and run convenience stores. And that, so they put, like, the most stereotypical because they're trying to create this traditional small town, right? That's the joke. At least there's something there. It's not just he has a funny accent. <laughs> but in the 80s, no. Nah, just funny accent. Wow. Get a white guy to do the funny accent. If he can do it well, that's fine. Yeah. I noticed when I went through it, they took out my uh, entry into um, Breakfast Club. Oh, yeah? Which is uh, pretty terrible. Which which part did you complain about? Because there's probably more. Well, there's multiple. Uh, I complained about um, how Bender sort of sexually assaults Molly Ringwald under the table, and then that's hiding under like the him? well, hiding under the table, and he sticks his head between her legs. Yeah, but later it's okay because he's a you know he's a rebel with a heart of gold. It's not even just okay. Up. It's like that's one of the moments where she starts to learn to like him. That's yeah. that's like she likes it's him not more good. because of that. Yeah. Uh, when Bender is um, sort of distracting the principal so everybody else can get back to the to the library, he uh, is talking with a very much like a jive accent, indicating that he's going to go out for a basketball scholarship. Oh, yeah, it's no boy, you're, no. You're nitpicking there. Sure. Okay. Um, how about the principal literally locking him in a closet, which is uh, no good. It's no good, but I also think it's uh, at least the principal is like the villain of the film. You know yeah. what I mean? Indicating if he saw him like out on the street, he would beat him up, which yeah. is interesting. Um, probably the most egregious is uh, Ali Sheedy's character at the end. When it's like, look, if you just changed everything about yourself, people would like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's and always just, bugged me. And they just go with it. Because that dude shows no interest in her, and then she just changes her look, and he's like, "Fine, <laughs> now, now, now we can, yeah. now we can be together forever." Because you changed yeah. your clothes and your hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one. So I want, I want to see what happened on Monday morning when everybody got back to school. Well, it's so funny too because it shows them like getting together there at the end, but they've already had the conversation where they kind of acknowledge that this was a one-day friendship. Yeah, uh, these people are going to be talking again afterwards. Yeah. I had always heard they had, there was an idea for a sequel where yes. it was them when they got older and they came back for the class reunion and they all found out that they all turned out to the things that turned into the things they never wanted to be when they were younger. Oh, really? Yeah. Like everybody sort of turned, not necessarily like exactly, but they all kind of turned into their parents, which is what they spent all day complaining about. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Which, I mean, there could have been something to sort of, Mine there? I don't... I think done, if, well, done Well, that that could be a good movie. Whether. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Um, there's definitely something there to, like, explore. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have grabbed the pop culture consciousness like the first one did, but it'd be interesting to see where these characters are, like, 20 years later and it, how, it, how miserable everybody was. If it was done really well and you you could have them coming to the realization throughout the course of the movie that they'd all become the thing they never wanted to be, mm-hmm. th- there's there could be a story there. Yeah. I just it, it would be a matter of execution. Yeah. 
So, but we never got it. There was also an idea, I guess, for a 60 candle sequel that never happened either. But that's got a bunch of problems in in and of itself. So, (laughs) all ages. I mean, there has to be some recognition of the idea that, like, society changes and you can't apply all of today's logic to what happened back then. But also, some of that stuff is like, how did they ever think that was okay? <laughs> yeah. Like in my, in the article, when I talk about 16 candles, I do talk about that. Uh, Getty Watanabe who played long duck dong. Mm-hmm. He loves that character. Sure. He's like, I love him. He's like, but I get it. Like there's, there's problems, but I still love him. So well, yeah. And I think there's also, okay. So, on the one hand, we have to acknowledge that some of the stuff that happened back then was wrong. On the other hand, we have to acknowledge that eh, it wasn't considered wrong at the time. So you can't go back and judge it by today's standards. And then the, sure. third, the third thing we have to put on top of that is something can be wrong and it can still be funny. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like in all seriousness, look at the shit that like we watched. Like, nothing that happened in compliance was okay, but we both watched it and recommended other people watch it. Like it's things can be wrong. You know what I mean? And you can still like, and sometimes humor comes from doing things that are specifically, you know, are not appropriate. And that's what makes it funny. You know? Yeah. And it, it can, you can, it's okay to laugh at it and then acknowledge that it's wrong. You don't have to pick between those two. Um, let's see. I pointed out that uh, Overboard, the Kurt Russell movie. Yeah, enough said. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that's was, like interesting about Overboard to me is that they remade it, gender swapped it, and acted like it's okay if it's the other way around. And it's like, no, yeah. still just as terrible the other way around. And I don't, I don't know what made them think it was okay to remake it. Yeah. Um yeah, I pointed out that there's like some of it's kind of funny. Um the idea of a spoiled rich person getting a taste of their own medicine, like that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. But I think like the big problem is that uh they end up he ends up they end up like sleeping together while she's still under the assumption that he's her husband. Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, that's not good. No, um that's, that's making her do a bunch of housework and stuff, like that's still funny. That's yeah. The uh, the husband husband part with the sex is a little is a little cringy, but um, yeah, it's called it's called sexual assault. That's the yeah, yeah, you're looking for that's, that's, yes, yes, that is correct. Like, um, let's see. I pointed out Mr. Mom, which I know you uh, were not a huge fan of when we re- when we reviewed it, right? But yeah, just the idea that the man has no idea how to run a household that doesn't that doesn't really hold up anymore. It's like. Um, the idea of like that both parents should know how to raise their children is something that people subscribe to nowadays. Uh, yeah, except there was just that Fox news guy that went on a rant about how like you're a beta male. If you leave work to take your kids trick or treating. God, that guy's a douchebag. The Fox news part of that sentence was enough. Yeah. But there are still people who think that way. Dumb. Um, I forgot that they did like a 2019 like series on Peacock or whatever. It was a voodoo of what Mr. Mom. Really? Yeah. I don't even think I knew that. It lasted 11 episodes and then was canceled. I don't know how you Not can try surprise. to. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I didn't see it, so I won't judge it, but I, 
if if I have the opportunity to see it, I will choose not to. So uh, let's see. I talked about the toy where Jackie Gleason literally buys Richard Pryor for a week, so his rich son will have something to play with. And do you find that problematic? Or? Um, yeah. I mean, buying a black man usually not a good idea. Now the thing is with the source material. Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason are hilarious, so they're able yeah. to make it work. Well, and again, yeah, it can be wrong and cringy and still pretty funny. Like it's, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know that movie. So, really, you've never seen the toy? I don't know if I've ever. I definitely never like watched it as like an adult. I don't know if I saw it when I was younger or not. I just that might might be one of those ones. If I turn it on, I start to remember things. I might have to put it on a list. Let's do a Richard Pryor episode. Yeah. Uh, see, I talked about bachelor party. A lot of it was just married dudes foaming at the mouth to go to a bachelor party so they can sleep with someone who's not their wife. What about Mrs. Uh, Doubtfire, where they uh, tell the guy that he's look, you're obviously a very loving, caring father, but you don't currently have a job, so you get zero access to your children. You're not allowed anywhere near them because all men's value comes strictly from money. Yeah. That's problematic. That's a, a 90s movie, though. Isn't it? Oh, sorry. How dare you. Um, then I did Revenge of the Nerds. Stuff we talked about earlier. Um, the idea that one of them dresses up like the other, like one of the bad guys, and then sleeps with his girlfriend. Not, not cool. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that that counts as um, consensual. No. Um, I believe I looked it up and there is a term called rape by deception. Okay. So it's making someone do something in a situation where if they knew all the facts, they would make, they would not make that decision. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, Porky's. What's wrong with Porky's? <laughs> <laughs> what could you have possibly thought of in Porky's? Uh, uh. Maybe, uh, you know, a guy sticking his dick through a shower hole and a bunch of girls, like, laughing at it. Um, for some reason, girls think it's funny when guys are spying on them in the girls' shower anyway. I actually knew guys in high school that got caught doing that, and the girls didn't think it was funny at all, so that movie's not what? entirely accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, and then later in the film, the, the gym teacher tries to pull the, the kid's pants down to see if... It was his dick or not. That's definitely not a... Uh, yeah, that's not the solution. <laughs> that's, that's, not that's, the solution. That's, that's not a problem thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 80s. Turns out a little problematic, maybe. Uh, the 80s. It's so, like... <laughs> it's so funny, too, because all this stuff was almost played out. Like, a lot of this stuff, like, you were allowed to watch when you were kids in the 80s. And they were like, yeah. ah, it's a little inappropriate, but it'll be fine. And you're like, um, is it though? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I decided that I'm not looking at any of the comments on this article. I'm like, yeah, I'm just not going to. Yeah, it's tough. It's um, tough because I, I like everything I've said, I've defended a, a lot of these movies and just kind of yeah. said, yeah, like, yeah, it's wrong, but it's, yeah, still, but 80s. it's, it's still funny though. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> I don't like. I don't know that it can't be both. So, yeah. Again, I, yeah, I wouldn't read the article, the comments on there. I mean, no. don't read the comments on anything ever. That's also true. But yeah, I had a video come out about the blind side today about what really happened, like in the 
Oh yeah, I haven't been following all that controversy because I've never seen that movie. Yeah, I haven't either. But somebody's like, "Hey, can you do a Blindside video?" And I'm like, "Well, never seen the movie, but sure." <laughs> so yeah. I had to do a little bit of research, but um, yeah, I decided I probably shouldn't look at those comments either. Following yeah. your advice, just never look at comments it's on anything ever. Every now and again, I make the mistake of clicking on the comments on anything, and I'm always like, "Why? Like, why do people want to say these things publicly?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you should. Uh, you should be a part of uh, being a wrestling fan nowadays. It's uh, great. Honestly, I I have made the mistake of going into the comments on wrestling things, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't. Just let people enjoy what they enjoy. Let's start with that. Like, you know what I mean? If you if you don't like something and somebody else likes it, you don't have to go in and tell them they're wrong for enjoying it. Wrestling fans, yeah. if you're listening, be nicer to each other. <laughs> I don't have a dog in the fight, like between the different companies, so I don't care. But it's just like, yeah. Well, I mean, AEW is going out of business any day now, according to. Most of the comments, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, who cares? Well, and like, it's one thing to have an intelligent conversation about how, hey, you know, maybe their business model isn't working because there are those pictures of those empty crowds and stuff, you know, or even to criticize the show for saying like, hey, maybe if you have empty crowds, fix where you put your camera, (laughs) like, you know, but it's, it's fascinating. There's people who are like, I really like this. And then people, other people yelling at them for enjoying it. It's like, I don't know. In a world where there are people who think Bill Goldberg is a good wrestler, I think I think we can just let anybody <laughs> think what they want. Well, that's why I've even responded a couple times, which is a mistake. Yeah, um, it's, they're not good looking thing for is, an intelligent discussion. No, good thing is most people just don't even respond, don't even comment on my comment. So I'm just like, okay. Most of the time, it's just like it's like, oh yeah, the the arenas aren't full, and I'm and I always just post like, who cares. I watch it on TV and I enjoy it. It's, it's a, why do you, did you have a financial investment in AEW? Then, then why do you care? It's a whole thing where I don't understand why something being popular or unpopular affects your enjoyment of it. I, I don't get that. Like I don't, I hate when movie trailers will say, Oh, the number one movie in the country. And you're like, Oh, so the reason I should go see this is because other people have gone to see it. That's your marketing plan. Like that has no impact on me. I, I just don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. I just see comments that's like, well, WWE is the best wrestling company in the world. It's the only one. And I'm like, why do you want to even live in a world where it's the only one? Like when there's more, it makes everything better because one would assume. perform better because people get paid better. Like, I just don't understand why you only want one of something when you could have multiple of something. Like who cares? Yeah. I don't know. Again, you don't have to watch the stuff you don't like. Just, exactly. You know, I, people, people are dumb. Just that's true. Like, uh, like the movie, the movie world is really bad for that lately too. I find it's just like people who are obviously had no interest in a movie have to go in and say it sucks, and you're like, I mean, you were never yeah. gonna like that movie. Just don't watch it. <laughs> there's lots of movies I haven't seen. For you. Yeah, there's lots of movies I haven't seen because I had no interest in seeing them, so I just didn't that's how i solved that seemed obvious at the time yeah oh well we went from discussing movies about how society sucks to deciding we agree (laughs) 
Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.